and welcome to episode 12. If you don't know by now, this is the Dumfries and Rugby, Dumfries and Rugby, Dumfries and Galloway Rugby Podcast, the only podcast in the area of Scotland to bring you all the latest news, results, and fixtures from around Dumfries and Galloway. In case you really don't know by now, I'm Ross Anderson, and as ever, I'm joined by John Muir. John, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Good. What do you got up to today? Any dodgy yeah. action? Yeah, I was going to say a bit of bit of dodgy aid. Went to the gym, back into training tomorrow. So I'll get those logged as well. It's quite useful. I can always, I use Tuesday training and Thursday training to log dodgy aid. So I'm quite lucky. I get basically two free sessions a week to to get my miles up. So yeah, it's going well. After last podcast, I, I got back together and I've 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 stuck to my my wee regiment. Had a wee eight mile cycle. Had a, had a couple of runs and a couple of walks with the with the wee man. Um, so we're all we're all good. We're on track. Back I think track. I'm doing quite. I think I'm doing quite well in the wee Dodded League. Definitely yeah. above you. Yeah. Well, I'll get I'll get them tracked this week, and we'll see if I can catch <laughs> it. Uh, John, not not only are we uh, a podcast in this area of Scotland to bring the news, bring the results, bring the fixtures, but we also have exclusive feature length interviews, and today is no different. It's my pleasure to introduce guest number six to the pod. Dumfries Saints head coach, Gavin Blackburn. Gavin, good evening. For me, nice Hi, to meet you, mate. How are we doing? All right. right. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yourself? Yeah, very well. Gav, we often, we often start off to get to know you a little bit. So any questions yeah. that fire up, people know kind of what area of your life I'm referring to so that so they can kind of yeah. keep, track, keep tabs on you. So a couple of minute run through of, of your passion for this game, why you do it, where you started, where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I started at a club that doesn't exist anymore. Well, it's, it exists in another forum of GHA, but I, I first started at Clarkston Rugby Club oh, when I was about, well, when I was 11, really. I, I didn't play rugby till I went into high school. And then there was a South African guy by the name of Tim Duplessy who got me into rugby. Um, I played a wee bit at school and then I went down on a Sunday and then that's been me since 11 years old, really, <laughs> playing or coaching. But yeah, that guy had a that guy had a big influence on me. Very supportive, uh, pick you up, drop you off, do all of that, and uh, yeah, there stayed Clarkston for. And then it became Glasgow Southern, and then I went down south, um, had my time down there, um, came back up, and played most of my rugby uh, at Stirling. Um, obviously, was it was it Hawks, but as soon as, just when I came back up the road. Had an involvement with Glasgow, and then had a had you know a couple of stints. You know, a stint at Hillhead, a, a stint at White Creeks. Uh, yeah, so uh, and I actually played a few weeks ago for them three seconds against GHK, which uh, I think I'm just about recovered from now. I, I I do not intend to put the boots on anytime soon, but that's a very kind of brief, a brief kind of overview. It's a very very humble overview, Gareth, because you said just kind of briefly went uh, my time down south. Tell us tell yeah. us a bit about the time down there. Um, that, yeah, it was a. I went down for a a training session. Well, I went down for a week. I wanted to I wanted to get to get better. I was it was um, just turned nineteen when I went down there, and uh, you know wanted to wanted to improve. Um, so as it happens, I get invited down for a week, and then on the, the Friday when I went to say, you know, see you later, Jerio, um, we Welsh guy called Jonathan Davies said uh, uh, we want you to stay, and I, <laughs> I burst out laughing because I thought I got on really well with one of the South African boys down there. I thought he was having a laugh, so I, so I burst out laughing. I burst into a fit of laughter. And he said, no, I'm actually being serious. <laughs> and I was like, sorry. So basically from there, I went back up the road, grabbed my stuff, and I was back down within a fortnight. Um, that was that was Saracens, was it? Yes. And the first game I played was, I think it was at Cardiff Farms Park, actually, for them. It's good to try. And a development game. So yeah, no, I had a, I had a, I had a great time down there. Was it? And then there became a... It became really tough because... I was obviously wanting to try and get into the Scotland Under-21 squad at the time. They weren't keen for me to kind of be released at that time. It, was, uh, it wasn't the first team coach that was making the decisions. It was a development squad coach. So I, 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 to be honest, I had a bit of a fallout there um, and realised, not from 
my side, it was more from their side, but I was kind of uh, found myself in a position where I still wanted to play at that level, uh, but I still wanted to play for Scotland. So I still wanted to stay in the squad. So anyway, I joined London Scottish under John Steele and Alan Zonda Senior were there, and that was just as as eye opening as anything because you were actually training. Although we did train with the seniors sometimes at Saracens, you were training with the seniors every day at London Scottish. Now at that time, <clears throat> you had guys like um, Yanni De Beer, um, you had Paul Burnell, you had oh, Ronnie Erickson, Guy Manson Bishop. You know, you had all guys that had played Guy Easterby, guys that had played um, at the, the very highest level of the game, and the sessions. <laughs> There wasn't a session that wasn't full on. And probably now, those sessions in a professional environment would be very different. But then, if you go to remember, rugby was only five, six years professional then. So it was still very new in this country. So, ah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, I don't know. There was a guy down there called Mick Watson, and he was just like this old school, northern lock, typical, you know, hard man. But what a coach. As a player, what a coach. You know, and uh, at that time, when I think now, the way he spoke to me and the way he explained things and the way he gave advice, um, I was really surprised he never he never went into coaching. He was excellent. He was he was really good. And then obviously the the Tony T arcs just all out of the club uh, and sold it. And then everybody was pro- pretty much in the same position as what the guys at Wasps and Worcester are in just now. In the sense, you had to, you had to, you know, I was lucky. I was still young enough, but there were some guys there with families. I mean, some guys earning very, very good money at the time. Good lifestyle, living in Richmond, living in, you know, uh, Austell area. Um, so I can only imagine it would have been tough for them. But for me, I was able to jump on a train back up the road, thankfully. And then I was back to Stirling. Yeah, I came back. I, 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 I came back up and um, I was training with Glasgow for a bit on the bench a few times for them. Yeah, which was which was very different. I, I, I'm not going to say too much, but coming from an environment which was downsized to to up here, yeah, I kind of need to watch what I'm saying. <laughs> the difference was night and day, really night and day. The sessions, to give you an idea, the sessions that the academy teams were getting down south were better than the field, were better than some of the sessions I'd done up here with the full professional squad at certain times. But yeah, and then I was at Hawks for a while. Didn't last long there. Um, I found a lot of good people at Hawks. Shade Monroe was very good with me. Hugh Barrow was very good with me. I still speak to Hugh to this day. And um, yeah, I found that a closed shop. When you were in, you were in, but getting in was pretty tough. And then there came that whole kind of fallout from having been involved in the pro game to then, you know, kind of, Coming back to Hawks, Hawks are telling you to, to sit on a bench, you have to get 30 minutes, you have to get this, you have to get that. I thought, you know what, I got to about 20, you know, by that point, probably about, what, two, uh, 21. And uh, I just had had, had had enough of it. And I went back to play at Glasgow Southern. And then I had a season there with my mates, which was amazing. You know, we got to the final of the Shield at Murrayfield against East Kilbride. And then kind of decided, you know, from then, well, we're going to give it a shot. You know, give it a shot back, you know, up the leagues. And Eddie Pollock, who coached me at Scotland under 21s, asked me if I'd like to go along, and then, and then that was it. Gav, I wanted to ask you, um, you said early on in your career you wanted to, you were really wanting to push into that Scotland under 21s side from, from yeah. an early age after you started playing. Who were the, yeah, who were you fighting with for positions back at that time? Alan Jacobson. Uh, um, Alan Jacobson, Lee Harrison, and now who was the other one? Lee Harrison, Alan Jacobson, and Craig Smith. Oh, so three three guys that went on and played professional rugby. There was a guy called Ramon Matheson who I played against down south, who played for Burham for a wee bit. He wasn't kind of in or there, but that was that. And then in that Scotland under twenty one squad had Jason White, Marcus Derolo, Chris Patterson, Tom Palmer, who went on and played for England, Andy Hall, um, Donny McFadden. So I mean that was that was uh, I think you'll have struggled to have seen a stronger <laughs> a stronger under twenty ones kind of 
certainly when you look at the under-20s nowadays, although it has a very different structure, but um, yeah, then it was it was, it was was probably about 27, 28 guys that kind of quite easily played in the team. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's how kind of strong it was. Great environment to be in. And when you look back at some of the players I still keep in touch with, a few of the guys, you know, you, you don't realise what level you were playing at until you look back and you have a think about it. So yeah, that no, was it was it was good times, very good times. You also you also mentioned there about some coaches that you had that you know said things that you said things to you that really resonated with you and even surprised you that they didn't go on and and maybe make mm-hmm. a career in coaching or whatever. Do you think do you think coaches like that is what sparked you to decide to do coaching once you left the plane behind? I think probably the biggest realization for me was how much I'd progressed as a, a player under Eddie Pollock at Stirling. And then when I kind of stopped playing it, when I thought back in those times, I thought, well, maybe if I can have, you know, an influence, you know, on players like he did with me, then that's something that I wanted to I wanted to do. But get me wrong, in my in my coaching career, when I, you know, starting out as a head coach, I made, you know, I had three very good seasons at Dunfermline where we, we won the, the Shield final and get promoted. But, you know, I made two or three really poor decisions after that. And hindsight's a wonderful thing, but the biggest reason I got into coaching was to develop players like I had been. So really, that was the kind of crux of it. How how we mentioned it a little bit off air, it's very different when you're kind of involved in the playing kind of side of things, whether for you, you did a lot of playing in, in England and in Scotland. And yeah. being a coach, it's very difficult sometimes to be a part of maybe what's the word I want to use the structure that we have up here with our club rugby it it, it can it, there's, there's definitely the challenges you've had some fantastic times as well but it, the challenges are there as well absolutely yeah I think I look at I look at I need to watch what I'm seeing here I, I look at Super 6 rugby for example you know it's a pathway for you know young players to go from a club game you know in a semi-professional environment to you know, attain hopefully a, a, a contract with Glasgow and Edinburgh. And the likes of Tom Jordan have done it. Fair play, you know, fair play. From a coaching perspective, what I struggle is that when you look at the amount of players within these Super 6 squads, so I've got 35 guys. There's 12 of them not playing every week. Or there's 12 of them not playing when the championship's on. So that's 66, 68 guys who aren't playing club rugby. You know, who aren't who aren't playing rugby week in, week out. Now, that's 68 guys that could be going back to their clubs of origin or the Premiership or National One and giving real value to the standard uh, of the game. So from my coach's perspective, that's one of the things that I can, <laughs> I can, you know, can I struggle with in terms of the structure that we have up here. And I think until that's addressed, you're going to have guys who are missing out. You know, and what's the conversion rate of guys making it to the programme against guys who aren't playing enough rugby in a semi-professional environment to develop. You know, I would say uh, I would say there's guys not developing quicker at a rate, you know, than guys who are getting pro contracts. When I first moved down here, I think well, it was one of the first things I said to you, John, I, I wondered about the the Super 6 and if there was a gap here. In Dumfries and Galloway, do do you think do you think that's the case, Gav? I, I'm genuinely interested I because think... I don't know how the structure completely works, but it's a whole area of Scotland that there's a hell of a lot of good clubs, a hell of a lot of good players, and it seems that it could be super eight. You know, I don't know. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a massive area. You know, it's a, it's a massive area, and you know, as you say, there are very good clubs in the area. Um, I think ultimately it comes down to if they are you think Dumfries and Galloway is a fashionable enough area. To have a to have a franchise, I think really that ultimately, I mean, the Scottish rugby are aware of the young talent that is currently in Dumfries and Galloway and coming up. I know that for a fact. How will they tap in? How will they develop that? I don't know. They've they've not given me any indication of as to as to what they intend to do. I have an inkling what I think they would like us to do, but but um, it's not a. I don't think it's anything that they would be forthcoming to help on, and I just think that they're, they're missing a trick. You know, you get three clubs within a, a one and a half mile radius in Edinburgh, a franchise. Yeah. And there's a whole area of the, the southwest of Scotland that's not got anything. 
it doesn't make sense. And from a business perspective, it doesn't make sense, let alone uh, a sporting perspective. I also think that, you know, when you look at that super sick structure, I think you have guys who leave Colts rugby too early. You know, guys that are like 17, 18. My real bugbears is kids have been told to leave their club of origin too early. It's, it's, it's not right. It's even it's even the maturity, Gav. That's one of the things that I always have a little a bit of an issue with is, you know, the, these kids have been playing with their mates their whole life. Yeah. They get to that age where, you know, between 16 and 18, we know there's a massive drop-off in players. So what is the theory behind ripping someone from their locality, someone from a club that, that has nourished them and, and looked after them for that whole whole pathway through to then drop them into a club in the middle of Glasgow where they don't know anybody. It's a massive big city. They're just they just end up lost because they just don't have yeah. that human development that they can they can come in and mix and, and realise that, you know, well, this is how you make friends, this is how you how you act in the, in these new environments. And you're right, one, two years in clubs that know them would probably push them on even more. Yeah. And the, the the thing that I don't get is they say if you're playing Scotland eighteens or nineteens you have to be playing at a higher level. But these boys aren't. These boys are going to premiership clubs and sitting in benches. So how's that how does that benefit the player? You know, and, and what does that give back to the club who has grown that kid? You know, who's invested in him? You know, it, it's it's um it's bordering on madness for me. It's 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 it's, it's crazy. But yeah, I I just think that kids are, are encouraged to move too quick. And I think also, John, that's one of the reasons why we have drop-off. I think kids come out of Colts, they maybe have you know, a brief contact with a Scotland under-18 squad or a Scotland under-19 squad or a Glasgow under-18 squad or whatever. And they think, I'm good enough. I'm going up the road. They go up the road, they don't make it. And then they go, do you know what? I've had that bad an experience being told to come up here, not being developed, not being given game time, do you know what? I don't want to play rugby anymore. And and I can think right now of four or five guys who are in that boat, guys who have chucked it around 22, 23 and just said, no, enough's enough. I'm the, I'm the same, Gav. I can I could easily name three or four guys now that that exact situation has happened to them. And the, and the kid loses out, the club loses out, you know, and they wonder why there's drop-off. They wonder why player numbers are you know, I think also it goes on the flip side as well. That if if you don't have that contact at sixteen, seventeen, eighteen with an academy or at another level of rugby, because I do think there is a gap between playing club rugby and making it to academy. I think there is a gap there that that certainly something should be there for a player to aspire to move into yeah. that. When when you don't make that academy side and that has been your bread and butter, that is real difficult. I mean, we'll touch on mental health stuff later on. Yeah. Um, I know you're a big advocate for it, but yeah. if you if your dreams are crushed at 16, 17, then what's the, you know, the point? And in, some ways, in some ways, the old pathway safeguarded that, John. The old pathway of you had a D&G team and they yeah. played against, well, cut it even further than that. You could have an East Renfrewshire team versus... Uh, East Renfrewshire versus Renfrewshire, Glasgow South versus Glasgow East. D&G would have a team. And you played against each other. And the coaches sat down and would then pick the best guys who were playing on that day. Then they get put forward to a Glasgow trial. It's how we can't see why that why that structure wouldn't expose more players to a better level, give them a better experience, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for them to understand that the current structure does not work. Yeah, what's been your experience, uh, Dumfries alone? You know, you've been you've been everywhere for your rugby, a lot of great places. Yeah, but you've been you've now been based at Dumfries. Yeah, it's got its challenges, it's got its problems, but there's also been a lot of good. Yeah, I've been very lucky. Um, I feel very lucky to to be the coach there. To be honest with you, we have a club, a family club which has a massive potential, a very hard-working group of players and a very supportive committee. And, you know, we've lost a number of players from last season, you know, and, and we're all aware it's a rebuild and we're enjoying it and we're building going forward. Um, so I, I've had nothing but a, a very positive experience, made friends down in the area. So, yeah, I'm, 
I'm thoroughly enjoying my time there. And we, we mentioned it there, you know, about it's so important having that kind of community. Well, we say it every week, every week on the podcast, how how community-driven these clubs, yeah. especially Dumfries and Galloway, are, how important that is, yeah. you know, that kind of togetherness is is so important with the rugby club. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, big advocates for for mental health. We on the on our Facebook we posted your your blog, fantastic read and and absolutely loved it. And we're all we're all big big advocates of that. So if you could tell us a wee bit about you know your maybe your experiences of of why it's such a such an important thing to to absolutely everyone that you come across. Yeah, they say uh, coaches sometimes have to show a vulnerability, and I think probably before that blog, you know, I was probably wary of how you know people would 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 view it even in this even in this day and age where everybody's encouraged to talk and you know and there's no nobody's got any thoughts other than you know positive ones about people that come out and speak about mental health there is still that thing in the back of your mind if I say this if I write this if I do this what's the perception of me going to be you know and before I done it I was really very doing it however I ha- have had done it before but kind of my journey was you know, I've, I've battled depression for since I was 23 year old. And um, there are times when I was younger where I really struggled with it. And up and down, didn't describe it. It was, it was um, yeah, really tough. Um, yeah, tough, extremely tough. Um, as you get older, you get maybe a wee bit calmer. Life experience helps you out a realisation of what you have round about you and it kind of picks you up kind of out of those out of those those down times. Um I'm very lucky with my, my partner Lisa. Um she's she's second to none. She's um supportive, positive, probably everything 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 that, that you'd need in a partner, everything I want. It's, she's amazing. And to have that support round about you is is vital, but not having that support when I was younger, and this is why I try and for try and you know speak to younger guys because everybody thinks, oh, you've got mates, you've got loads of mates when you're young. One, do you want to really tell your mates when you're 22, 23 year old that's how you're feeling? And I think that's one of the things that we have to raise awareness, continue to raise awareness on. You know, to how would how would the mates perceive it? You know, would they take the piss? Would they not? You know, how how is that going to get down? So there's so many different factors when you're younger. Um, Especially, I think, uh, in dealing with that, that yeah, I, I, I've done a twenty-four hour walk before. <laughs> that was torturous, torturous. Forty kilometres or forty-two kilometres. I done that was for the Scottish Association of Mental Health. It was a twenty-four hour walk around the clubs in Glasgow, which uh, which which was good fun. A lot of people joined me, and it was good meeting up with old with old mates and stuff. But yeah, I'm thinking about doing another, but I'm not sure exactly. I'm trying to link it in with Audiard as well. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that, but I'm, I'm looking at that now. I think I think the biggest thing for me is I've I've had friends that have struggled with it, gone as far as as losing some friends to to mental health, and I think the biggest thing we've learned and that maybe needs to be pushed a little bit more. I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. Is everyone pushes each other to speak out if you've got the problem, if you're depressed, if you're feeling down. You know, these years everyone's saying it's okay to speak out. What they're not saying as much, and I think needs to be said, is for your mates to ask you. Since yeah. since my mates struggled with it, they've my other mates that were involved have been amazing with just firing that message to me every, like what even once a week, just how are you? Like, how, are you actually okay? How's things? How's yeah. the family? Everything like that, you know? It's more, It's obviously it's hugely important to speak out if if you feel you need to, but also just reaching that hand out as well. Yeah, I think I read an article where it said um, you can ask someone you okay, but you actually really need to ask them two or three times to yeah. get the actual real answer. And that's a tough one because it depends on the character. You know, you ask them once, you think I'm pushing it here, you know, twice, I'm not going to go there. You know, so there's an element to that, I think. So the person that's being asked the question has to be receptive. But yeah, no, I I agree that asking more than once or, or even sending that message to say, you know, what's happening, you know, I think gives 
people that first outlet to actually turn around and say, well, I'm not so good. And then that opens up that dialogue. Um, so, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think what, one thing for me, Gav, as well, is <clears throat> most of their messages or most of their catch-ups with mates are in, in pubs. And we know mm-hmm. alcohol is a is a depressant. It's a depressant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even even just trying to get into the habit of, you know, do you want to do you want to go and go for a walk? Like my group of mates now, we've we've all since moved retired from rugby, we've started doing some hill walking stuff. And I think that's <clears throat> when you really get to know you get to see your mates for an hour or two hours where you're yeah. just walking and you yeah. can't hide behind a pint and, and that's yeah. that's real good as well. Rather is let's go to the pub and get absolutely smashed where we hide our feelings. Let's do that's something true. else. Yeah. It doesn't need to be walking. Go go karting. Go golf. Go do something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing. Over alcohol, you either become totally quiet about it or over emotional. Where you know you can have yeah, it's not great. So no, I would I would totally agree with you on that. And I think I think probably the the stigma I would like to think around mental health is it's diminishing year on year. I think I hope. You know, and when you look at loose heads, what they do down south, um, their stuff's really engaging with clubs. You know, like they have people who are a loose head ambassador within the club. So I've looked into that a bit, you know, done a bit of research in that. And that's just basically having people within your club who you can go to, who you can speak to, who can relay things, you know, back to maybe other people who are having a tough time. So that's a, that's a really interesting concept. And obviously they've got a lot of uh, pro players, you know, who are, you know, promoting it. But I think if that's something that, you know, other clubs have not looked at, loose heads on Facebook or loose heads on Instagram definitely give some terrific insight into, into how to kind of facilitate that conversation or those conversations that people can't have, turning them into conversations that become easy for everyone. Is that something you've tried to do, Gav, within Saints? You know, like this whole breaking the stigma basically you know it's it's yeah. it's, it's okay it's because sport can do that i know you do you yeah. you do your boxing as well yeah. um it teaches you I discipline and stuff i think it, it can be great yeah i haven't spoken to the players about it as a subject specifically but what i will try and do is have two three minute conversations with guys not all the time but at certain times just to see how they are but it is something that i would like to and i will you know, factor into our programme going forward in, in the sense of, you know, looking at the loose heads thing, you know, how do we, how can we adapt that to our club, you know, and how and as a club, how do we how do we get benefit out of that? Um I think that is something we'll certainly look at going forward. But yeah, I think just having those one minute, two minute, three, even three minute whatever conversations, you know, um, make a big difference. Not just to build the relationship between coach and player but actually for coach to find out how the player is and, you know, what is there anything you can do for him, basically. Yeah, I, th- I think it's hugely important and, and really hoping that more clubs are, are getting involved in that, following your lead, speaking to the speaking to the boys, making sure you're okay, because that's all it takes, a couple of minutes. Yeah. And, and that's it. It, it's a cliche, but it's so true. A couple of minutes and you could change someone's life. So glad glad that your boys are doing that. Speaking of your boys, Gav, you're going quite well this season, you know. How, how have you yeah. how have you seen this season so far? As I said before, we can identify early on it was going to be a rebuild. You know, a lot of guys stopped playing last year, guys retiring, or you know, going to do different things. Um, but the group of players just now is work ethic is is terrific. It really is terrific. And myself, along with Paddy Cooper, who's who's my assistant coach, I think you know, I think along with the players, we've got a really a really kind of special environment just now in the sense of, you know, it's almost like a new beginning. We've got an opportunity to to kick on this season. You know, we aren't looking behind us. Uh, we're looking about what's above us in the league table just now and, and going and catching them. Uh, and really that's our, our kind of aim going forward. But no, I can't, I can't say enough as to how hard the boys are working. And on Saturday, you know, the physicality was, was excellent, you know. And, to beat a people's team 17-3, we had another couple of opportunities, you know, which we never kind of took. But, um, yeah, no, we're, we feel as though we're building week on week. This home record that you're building at the moment, it's huge, isn't it? It's, it's 
something that you've really got to take pride in, how difficult you make it for other teams to come to Park Farm. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that we 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 kind of speak about, the pride in that. However, we have another challenge this week going away from home. And we have to continue that forum, you know, and those traits that have been successful for us in the past, you know, three or four games, we have to take that away from home. So that's another challenge. That's another thing we're looking forward to. You know, Cartha will be tough. Cartha are tough. You know, they're not shy. You know, they're, they're a physical bunch of lads. They're young, they're fit. And they'll probably offer a different challenge. So we have to go there and meet them head on and, you know, and, and implement our game on them. And there's no way we're going to turn up on Saturday at the break and it's going to be a walk in the park. No way. You know, but we know that. We know that. You know, we've done the analysis on them. We've 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 uh, we've played them already this season. Um, and they'll be better. They'll they'll be like us. They'll be in a situation where you know results might not show it, but you know in their performances they'll they'll you know they'll they'll have improved and and you know we we've improved as well. So we need to go there and deliver on Saturday. Just on the game at the weekend, there, Gav. Is there is there any players that you think um, played really well? I know. Um... Ryan Cruikshank got got man of the match. He's your he's your back rower, isn't he? Your your open side. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think to be honest, we played on Saturday with a belligerence that they were not going to come and win the game. Uh, they were not going to come and dominate. We thought they would come and try and out scrum us. We thought they would come and try and bully us. And to be honest, um, they had the edge in the scrum at times. <laughs> but as the game went on, our fitness came through, and ultimately we were very physical. You know, in the guard, you know, around the ruck, very physical, and they tried to use that as go forward. We smashed them around in there, so they weren't able to get any go forward. You know, and we got our opportunities and we took them. You know, and to be honest, I've never been one for singling guys out, and I think that's one of the things just now is that we have a collective group of players who are all working extremely hard, and. You know, I can't fault anyone on Saturday the weekend. The effort, the conditions were horrendous. But yeah, everybody putting in a, a real... And the thing about it is it's a mindset thing. You know, it's a, it was a mindset thing on Saturday. Because we we had lost 17-12 to them at the gates. You know, we went away with a losing bonus point. We should have won the game. But we were probably at the start of that de- developmental cycle starting again. You know, the, the rebuild... Um. Whereas on Saturday there, we were a lot more assured, a lot more, you know, our accuracy was very good at times in our face play, considering the conditions. So, yeah, no, it was a, it was a collective collective kind of responsibility at the weekend. Boys boys were excellent. But yeah, you've mentioned Ryan. Ryan was very good. <laughs> He's just, a, we've got, a, to be honest, we've got a back row at the moment, which is a great blend to it. And I think that's the easiest way they guys bring out the best in each other. And um, it's an area of the game that, you know, when, you, when I look at our back row against any other back row, in fact, when I, I'll be honest with you, when I look at our team against any other team just now, you know, I see a group of guys who are prepared to, you know, um, play 110%, you know, for, for not just for the for the club, but for themselves as a group. And there isn't anyone that we, that we, we, we fear getting into the second half of the season. Gav, you know, actually, of your of the results at the weekend, as you know, every week we we take a wee mm-hmm. look at how the Dumfries and Galloway yep. clubs got on. Your seventeen three win was was probably the most comfortable. When we have a look at some of the other scores, John, mm-hmm. some incredibly close games. So Newton Stewart, not only close games, but not necessarily high scoring across the board. Mm-hmm. I think the weather definitely played some kind yeah, of yeah, 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 part of play in yeah. the whole of Scotland. Uh, Newton Stewart thirteen, Falkirk five. So not a not yeah. a high scoring one there either. When I spoke to Wiley, um, he said that they they pretty much had to had to win that game the hard way. They they lost the toss at the beginning and had to play with the wind in the 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 first half. So knowing that they were going to go into that second half, having to control the ball and, and keep hold of it and manage to try and, you know, they wouldn't be able to use the kicking game. So the first half they they used the kicking game, pinned them pinned them back and and made them. Uh, made them work really hard, so they ended up. They only came away five nothing at half time, so it was it was going to be a big struggle for them. Um, Gregor Goss scored pretty early on in the corner, um, but Ben McMillan in the line out was causing all sorts of 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 problems for uh, for the Falkirk team. Um, 
and then Jack Gaw managed to to knock over a penalty, and then Tam McDonald scored uh, to make it to make it thirteen nil, and then Falkirk scored just just at the end. So it was a real hard hard fought victory for for them. But in seeing that, hundred percent of our our know the score submissions backed Newton Stewart to win that game, um, and you'll be glad to know Gav as well. hundred percent of Dumfries and Galloway backed Dumfries. To beat Peebles as well, you had a, you had a Ideal. good, you had a good support there. So um, there was no one that managed to to guess the scores this week. So we're going closest uh, in the points difference. Who thought the games was going to be close? And Hannah Little managed to guess um, the seven points difference. She she predicted seven points difference between uh, Newton Stewart and Falkirk. So not bad, not bad from Hannah. You say they had a. They had to fight for victory, but speaking of fight, fighting for victory, we've got to have a look at Stewartry this this weekend. A last minute try to win thirteen twelve. I mean, it doesn't doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, no. Here's here's one for you, Gav. You'll love this front a front row double. Well, front row the, double. The prop scored two tries. The two tries were scored by the by the prop. Uh, Ian also known as Steady. So, yeah, spoken Sandy, Stuartry uh, came out of the box and, and scored first. Then, pretty much, they they got barred. Uh, Kilmarnock managed to score a penalty. Stuartry went into panic mode and, and Kilmarnock just hounded them and hounded them and hounded them and hounded them. Eventually, they they managed to grab a penalty, which took them to 8-5 at half time. But they were still kind of a little bit out of sorts. Kelly had missed three penalties, and and were just all physically all over Stewartry. Um, but the boys managed to dig in, hold the fort down. They managed to make a break in the seventy second minute <laughs> of the pitch from our back from back rower Angus Lindsay, uh, who managed to get out out of the half. Um, got into the 22, must have been camped there for a good five minutes, Kilmarnock's defence, just really trying to work hard to repel, uh, to cause that kind of little upset win, if you if you will. Um, but Steady managed to score his second, his second try on that 72nd minute, but it wasn't over. They had to take the kick-off, they had to control the game. Got the kick-off, landed in Angus Lindsay's hands. He made a break, looked like he was going to score, and then got tackled. Panic stations a little bit, but a bit of composure from someone managed to just pick the ball up and decide, listen, we're winning this game by one point, let's just take it and kick the ball out of the field to, to grab that victory. So, um, again... Belzone's a, a tough place to go. Oh, real tough. Real, Kermanock's a real bogey team for, for Stewartry. I think it was the first time... I think it was the first time ever Stewartry won last year at, at Belzone. So... Yeah. It's a bit of a bogey area, so yeah. Credit to Kamalmuk. We knew they were going to be they were going to be after us. They knew after they they got a fair gubbing down down the road for us. Um, but yeah, they managed to kabok, get a bit of composure, even though he was double marked. TJ McKernan managed to to make some some good line breaks. Angus Lindsay, as we said, and obviously Steady's Steady's double managed to secure them, but. Again, 100% of the score predictors reckoned Stewartry was going to win that and Dumfries' Jack Steele was uh, the man that was closest. He predicted a three-point difference. So obviously the weather was a little bit of a leveller for what Stewartry would wanted. What I was really looking for this week as well was because obviously last week we had we had Gogsy on and he said that scoring tries is not an issue. And for them at the weekend it wasn't. They scored 21 points. He said, though, the problem was letting tries in. And it, it was a close-run thing, but they, they Annan just lost 24-21 to Lenzi. But as Gogsy will know, it's just going the other way. Offensively, they're fine. Defensively, there's a little bit of an issue there. And, and it's that fine, fine margin that has lost you the game. I spoke to him again on, on uh, Sunday night. And he basically said that Lenzi had the bulk of possession. Uh, really caused... Really caused and in a lot of problems and actually the defence even though they, they conceded 24 points he, he was like considering the amount of possession that Lenzi had actually wasn't too bad it wasn't an absolute disaster um, he felt that they probably should have won the game so the last the last minute of the game although we said scoring tries is, is not a problem for them apparently it was that they, they had a similar situation to the Stuartry they had a, they had a line break 
Um, I'm not going to name names, but there was a line break. The centre broke through, experienced player, only had the full back to beat and had and had the ten inside him. And all they had to do was give the little pass. He thought he would. He thought he had them. Tried to go around them, got tackled, lost the ball in possession. Lenzo picked mm. the ball up and and cleared. Um, and that was right at the very end of the game. So, Annan probably could have won that game. Um, if it had just been those little, those little fine margins that we talk about uh, every every week, he also said that it was a, probably a, a bit of a team performance, and they were all they were all good. But he, he really needs one of those senior players to kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck and and stand up, and and I think that was just missing a little bit from from the game. But he says it was a better all round performance, but it's another loss for them, and they're going into a tough tough run now. So. Um, Hopefully, Annan can grab another couple of points and make sure that they stay in the mid table uh, as we, as we go through the season. Gav, this might be a bit of a odd question because if you're if you're coaching a side, obviously you're focused on both offense and defense. But you'd like to think that coaches have maybe one style or the other. Are you very much down the middle, or are you are you more offensive based, defensive based? Um, when I when I when I came into them, Freeze Paddy had already been coaching attack, so I saw no need to change that. And yeah, I I love coaching defence. Um, so we kind of almost I look after breakdown and defence. Paddy looks after backs and attack, um, and that's uh, and I obviously look after set piece. So yeah, um, we we kind of we kind of split it between the two of us. But yeah, love coaching D, love it, and and ultimately it's what you know it's. It's what wins games, you know. If you're not conceding, and you know you 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 take your opportunities, you're 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 going to be performing. You're going to be winning, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, I love coaching a bit of defence. And the boys would pro the boys would probably say that as well, you know. <laughs> I'll probably get a bit animated when I when I when I coach that aspect. So yeah, they maybe maybe these teams needed some of your defensive coaching, Gav, because this last game we had one game postponed at the weekend actually. John, I don't know what the reasoning was for that. Glasgow Medics, Glasgow Uni Medics, sorry, and the Shire game was postponed. Yeah, Glasgow Glasgow Uni Medics said all their all their boys were still on holiday. Uh, they they'd known for a while, a while that they wouldn't be able to play the game, but but waited um, till later on in the week to to let Shire know. So it was a bit bit disappointing because Shire were obviously keen. Gregor was keen to carry on from the from the buzz of the Spice Cup. We weren't able to do that this week, so he's hoping that they'll be able to cross over into into this week. But a little bit disappointing that Glasgow Uni Medics couldn't get a team out to to play a home game. The last team we have in our in our results roundup is the one that I thought maybe should get some defensive lessons from you, Gav. Quite the highest scoring game out of all of them. Moffat were at home and they lost nine. They lost twenty five nineteen. So they still again much like Annan got nicely on the scoreboard but couldn't convert enough to to see them get the win. Yeah, I think going into this game it was it was going to be tough for Moffat. Um only fifty percent of the people on the on the score predictor thought thought that Moffat were in with a chance of winning that game. <clears throat> From all accounts they, they started off pretty well. They had a they had a fairly good set piece. Um the Crombie brothers and Johnny Little have apparently been doing a lot of work in the gym over the festive period. I've seen a couple of videos on their on their Facebook page about it, and and it really started to show in, in the front row. They they managed to get a little bit of an edge in in that set piece. They had twenty boys available, but again, it was it, they lost a little bit of composure. The referee made the made a what they would deem as a bit of a ropey call. So they had a line out. They lifted the player up in the line out and and supported the player for the referee deemed a little bit too long as they tried to play a front peel and then off the back of that they they kind of lost their composure with the referee um, and and that let them down a little bit. Lock Arbor managed to to take to take it to them. Uh, probably either side of half time was where Moffat really struggled. They they started the game really well and sort of finished really well, but that middle spell, Lock Harbour really seemed a little bit fitter, seemed a little bit um, better organised, got back up into their feet, got back into the game a little bit quicker than the the Moffat guys, and and that ended up being the difference in that forty minute spell, either side of the half. 
There was also a couple, I think the Moffat would be a little bit disappointed because there was a couple of tries that they left on the field. Hmm. Um, should attain some opportunities a bit more, but sport, these things happen. It's been a tough season for Moffat, but you know they're, they're certainly getting getting themselves organised and starting to play a little bit. It's just, as we talk about every week, consistency and boys at training, making sure boys are fit, making sure they know the game plan, making sure that little things like a referee call doesn't derail you. And you can you can keep on keep on the game. So it was unlucky from Moffat. Well, all teams have a chance to bounce back this weekend. Well, hopefully Moffat and then bounce back. Stuart Tree, Newton Saints stay on the winning side of things. We may as well start with you, Gav, fixtures preview. You're away to Cartha this week. Without yeah. maybe without telling us any trade secrets what is what's the mentality going into the training sessions you have with the boys this week how are you preparing for Cartha? a really intense session tomorrow night you know we'll look at you know probably two or three technical aspects uh, within the session you know what's the decision making in games but we'll have a really intense session tomorrow night not necessarily too physical but you know the intensity will be up there players making decisions under pressure Thursday will almost be like a clarity night for us. You know, we'll you know we'll we'll look at one one technical aspect of the game, and then we'll you know go into our units, organisational stuff, uh, and then we'll come together and run our and run our phases. So yeah, tomorrow night will be will be intense. Thursday will be you know obviously less intense with the game on Saturday, but you know we we and I say this to the boys quite a bit. You know, we'll prepare for. Falkirk the same way that we, we you know, we prepare for Carter the same way we'd Falkirk or the same way we'd Newton Stewart. We won't, we won't relent in terms of how hard we work, and that that will that will be the case right up till the end of the season. And that hard work is is you know is kind of you know what's the real kind of burner behind our, our home forum and our form of late. You know, to take our take our foot off the pedal just now would be negligible. So yeah, we expect Cartha to come out hard. They will, and they'll be physical, and they'll be young. So we know we've got to go there and and take you know that physicality away and implement our own game on them. So you know we know we need to go there and perform here, and no doubt about that whatsoever. It was close. It was close in the last game, wasn't it, Gav? Mm-hmm. With, with your yeah. guys, even though there's there's quite a gap in the table. Carthor have only won two games. You guys have, have managed to pick up seven wins, but the last yeah. last match was what fourteen ten at Park Farm. 14, yeah, fourteen ten. Um, we had a number of opportunities. Um, no, not try scoring opportunities. We, we had a number of opportunities when we were in there, twenty two, and we didn't. You know, we didn't. We didn't convert that pressure into points. You know, that game was really frustrating for us. Uh, but that day, they, you know, they were true to form. They came down. They played with intent. They wanted to put width on the ball. You know they wanted to be, you know, physical on the carry off nine. So yeah, they were, you know, they're they're a they're a tough team, you know, and and we need to go there and and implement, as I said, our, our game plan on them, but also take that perceived physicality that they have away from them uh, in order for us to play. In that league as well, John, we've we've Newton, who, as we mentioned, unlike them, really, it was a close run against Falkirk, just coming away with the win, but this time they're away and they're up. To last Wade, <laughs> yeah, last, I'm going to be a little bit harsh on you, and I've been harsh on you in the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to stay harsh on them because if they go, if they go and play like that against Last Wade, I think there, there could be an upset. Because when you when you look at Last Wade's form at home, they've lost two games, and both those games have been lost by one point. All the other games they they've won at home, or as I say, the one point difference. So. Newton are five points behind Aki's. They cannot afford to to slip up to this banana skin here now. That again, the risk of complacency because they they won their last game against them um, down at Bladnock. It was forty seven five, but we know that last Wade, um, one are hit and miss, and two at home they're a different kettle of fish than what they are than what they are away. So they they'll be physical. They'll um, they'll look to try and you know take on Newton Stewart, and Newton have to be on it to be able to come away with this win. Because this is the game where I actually think to myself, do you know what? That's even though Newton are in second, last way they're in eighth. Newton have to be on it, otherwise they're gonna they're gonna look pretty silly. Um, so, I mean, I hope they do it. 
but their performances of late haven't been great, so they need to buck up their ideas and, and make sure that they come away with a victory here. Hopefully so as well. For the, there's a potential for a big upset on the cards. I'm I'm hoping not. Or Drossen or travelling up to um, to Stewartry. I was I was going to say Stu Mel there. It's written on my page, Stu Mel. That's the that's the Edinburgh boy inside of me screaming. <laughs> or Drossen are travelling to Stewartry. Or Drossen bottom of the league. Stewartry second, but game in hand. We have a game in hand. We have potential to take that top spot. Let's hope there's not an upset on the cards. Yeah, when you look at this, Stuart is sitting second, and Ross and dead last. The the record is is almost the opposite. So yeah. Stuart have nine wins, one loss. Adrossen have one win, nine losses. So you're looking at that. Adrossen have really struggled um, after the relegation. So they've came down from from the National Three uh, last year, and and have just gone straight through West One. So you know we talked about the strength of West One with Gogsy last week. And that, that proves that, that a team coming down from that National League can just capitulate through West 1. So it is going to be, is going to be a, a challenge for a Drossen to come down and, and, and beat the Stewart's side. We're hoping that Stewart Ray obtain, obtain that close-run game against Kilmarnock and, and has given them a kick up the backside that they, they need because, as we've said time and time again, you know if you're going to win this league, you pretty much have to go unbeaten. They've already lost one game. Luckily, Garnock have lost the game, so now it's it's you've got to go the rest of the season unbeaten. And when that Garnock game comes up, you've got to take them as well. So, even though a draw and are sitting last, you've got to go there with a clinical, clinical outlook and and try and come away with five points because anything less than that is is, you know, not league winning material. Unfortunately, so that's the challenge. I think that's the thing you mentioned it there, John. It's not just winning your games. It's not just going unbeaten, it's actually you have to get that bonus point. Especially if, against bottom of the league. Yeah, you know. but it, from this point on if, you know, Garnock are looking at Stewartry, Stewartry are looking at Garnock, if you drop that one bonus point, because that is the difference at the moment. It is whether or not you're getting enough tries to get yourself the bonus point. It's so, so close. And you, you don't you can't just settle for four, you need the five points. Hopefully five points bounce back for Annan this weekend and for Shire. We'll come on to Shire in a minute. Who unfortunately had their game postponed. Hopefully they're back in action this weekend. But Annan first, back at home. They only lost by three points, but they are playing Killy, who just ran Stuartry close. It's this is the thing about these leagues. They're so tightly contested and you know you never seem to have a breather. Yeah, you know, there's there seems to be a real kind of resurgence in the Ayrshire and some of the Ayrshire teams certainly in, in that West West One region, and Kilmarnock are, you know, they, they are coming in. They are still looking for this promotion. They are still looking as if they can get into that top bit of the league. They want to be pushing. They want to be trying to make sure that if Garnock and Stewartry do slip up, then then they could be there. They've lost four games. They've won six. Um, so they'll be disappointed with that record. But going down to Annan, I think they it's going to be a tough, tough, tough weekend for Annan. Um, it's going to be a battle up front. Kilmarnock play, so you know, pretty forward orientated game. They've got some flashy boys in the backs, but you know, the majority of their play comes through this this line out through the scrum play, uh, through the breakdowns, especially targeting breakdowns. So, um, yeah. And and I've got a. They they lost thirty seven thirteen in the last game to Kilmarnock, so it's it's going to be tough for them. But and I've got to try and make sure that they 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 defend better, even though the defence was better last time. They've got to get hands on ball because if they struggle to get ball, we know they can score tries. Um, and just we'll need to see what happens. Is there's no sugar coating it? It's going to be a tough game for Annan. Um, but. If they can come away with something, it would be it would be a massive boost because they do have a tough, tough run, and they're going to have to learn to to manage those games quickly because they're going to come thick and fast. Same as for Shire, they had they had their rest. They didn't want a rest, obviously, but it got postponed, so they've had an extra week to to prepare for their game that's coming up this weekend. 
Yeah, so again, they're, they're at home to Strathendrick. Uh, Strathendrick are seventh in the league and Wigtonshire in fifth. So although it doesn't seem like there's a big a big difference in the in their league uh, positions, in terms of points, that is quite significant. So Shire are sitting on 32 points, Strathendrick are sitting on 17. So there is a real clear divide um, in that league starting to, starting to form. Um, but again, Shire have a couple of games in hand. They've won six, they've lost three. So that they've got some of the the teams above them, they still have to play them. And as we said the other week, if they play the way that they played against Newton Stewart and they can string together a consistent performance for eighty minutes, then they shouldn't fear anyone in that in that league. Again, it comes down to this this consistency. That's you know, are you a, a league winning side? Because as you know, Gav, probably yourself, if you're going to win leagues, you need to be consistent every week. You can't have an off week. No, absolutely. So they're going into this game as probably favourites. Um, the last game was close. It was 26-22. A uh, win for Shire, but that was up at Strathendrick. Shire at home. Strathendrick coming to make that big travel. You know, you, you, you're you hoping Shire win, but another potential banana skin. And if they're going to win, if they're going to win the league and they're serious about it, they need to they need to win this game. Yeah, our last game for the fixtures preview is is Bishopton Moffat. Moffat are a team we talk about every week. They're they're struggling a wee bit in their league for not only for numbers but just kind of everything put together. They're 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 battling relegation. Uh, I don't know if you've ever as a player or as a coach been in that kind of that kind of situation, but it's it's not an easy one trying to rally your boys. Especially yeah. when you're short on numbers trying to get folk coming for a relegation battle. You know what I mean? It's not like if you come along, you know you're going to win a cup. It's it's come along because we need to stay up. Yeah, it's very difficult. It's um, it's probably one of the hardest things to go through as a player and as a as a coach. Um, when you do feel up against it, nothing's going your way, and probably you know relegation is uh, is going to be upon you. It's it's not easy. For me, it's a balance of between trying to nail the in that situation, trying to nail. The basics of the game, coupled with still trying to have fun, you know, and um, you know I've been through it. It's it's very difficult in the sense of a session, a session outlook or a session plan for, you know, f- for that it's it's tough, you know, because you want to keep working the boys hard. You want to keep you know, you know, working on the game plan. You want to keep working on the, the nuts and bolts of the game, but. You know, when you're not winning and, you know, you know, guys are grinding week in, week out and they're not getting anything for it, it's tough, you know. Um, and I think it's try to get the balance between, yeah, we know we need to continue to work hard. Yeah, we know we need to continue to, to, to work in the fundamentals of the game, but at the same time, we have to enjoy ourselves. So it's, it's try to strike that balance. Obviously, being serious, you know, or focused on, on, on the game that's coming on Saturday, but... You know, an element of the session has got to be fun. An element of the session has to be not light-hearted, but kind of toned down a bit. You know, low intensity. You know, for guys to to just get a break. You know, because it's not easy when you're in that situation at all. Yeah, I mean, if you you know when you slug it out for eighty minutes, I always tell people that don't play rugby when they ask me, "Are you not? Are you not sore? Or are you not like absolutely broken after you play a, a hard, grueling game?" And I say, "Yeah, only if you lose." <laughs> If you win, if you win right. honestly, if you win, you don't you don't feel the bruises, bruises, do you? So yeah, it's a yeah. tough situation to be in. John, what's the game plan this weekend? Bishopton away. Yeah, well, Bishop Bishopton second in that second in that league. Moffat having only won one game, and, and Bishopton only lost one. It's again, it's another it's another toughie away from home as well. As Gab says, you, you, you've got Moffat have got a really good. Community spirit, you know, they they do a lot of stuff outside of outside of rugby to try and make sure that they keep that that core group of players together, and that's and that's basically what you, in this situation what you have to rely on is you have to rely on those boys turning up week in week out, even though they're maybe a little bit sore, um, and still try to put a full performance in as as much as they can. We we said about their game last week, they just had that middle spell. When things don't go their way, they need to keep that composure. They need to stick to their stick to their plans, and and see where it takes them. You know, I always, if I was in that situation, if I was if I was Cammy, and I, 
I'm not I'm teaching my granny to suck eggs here whenever we talk about uh, we talk about this for, for Cam, but you know, you, you've got to go there and go, right, the result is, is now irrelevant. We are going there to base our performance and see where we are. So so far we struggled with that middle section and, and the refereeing calls. So that's our targets. Let's make sure the referee doesn't affect how we play. We are in control of our forty percent. They're in control of their forty percent. The referee is in charge of ten percent. Let's let's nullify. Let's make the best out of our forty percent. Nullify their forty percent, and then the referee gets taken out of it. If you allow a referee and the opposition that sixty percent of the game, you're always going to lose. So manage your forty percent. Take away their forty percent, and then see see what happens there. Bishopton's going to be a tough game for them. That's that's what you've got to do when you're in those situations. Batten down the hatches, rely on your spirit of your team, and and go to the performance based. Right, here's what we need to do to 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 make sure that we we come out of this a better side, um, instead of just try to flog week in week out. And I think it can be it can be just one week that really changes things around. Gav, like you said, when you're in that relegation fight, when you're losing, you feel like nothing's going your way. But sometimes all you need is that one good performance, that one win maybe that completely changes around a season. As I say, you come off the field after a win, that a much-needed win. You don't feel sore. The beer tastes better. The smiles are bigger. Sometimes that's all you need, isn't it? That one good performance, that one win. Yeah, and the thing is, you might not necessarily win in that game. You know, it may, you know, as John says, it could be you know performance. You know, if you're setting out two or three areas that you're going to judge your performance on, um, and they get success in those areas, then it shows that the players, you know, are developing, and you know they they have got they have they have hit their expectations for the weekend, you know, um, and then it's about building on top of that week on week. As soon as you become result driven, everything goes out the window, in sense of the coaching process, the relationship between you and the players, everyone becomes your enemy. It's it's, it's the referees. It's 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 a nightmare. It's, it's it's about performance outcomes. Setting two or three goals. Listen, this is what we want to achieve at the weekend. Next week we want to achieve this. You know, and you build and you build and you build. The only problem is time will time can run out. Season will end, and you can be relegated. That's the harsh reality of it. But if you are building in such a way that the players are improving week in week out, then you know to get them back for the next season, then you stand a good chance. Speaking of building. I think the well the last last fixtures in our fixtures preview, good chance for a build for for Saints twos who are taking on Sterling County twos and Annan twos who are taking on Kilmarnock. Chance for building, chance for bringing some players in. They're both at home, so you know chance to for folk to get their boots on, get involved. Gav, yep. Gav, you won't be there. You're still recovering from from the last one. <laughs> um, I, can't myself, I can't see myself being there anytime soon either. <laughs> But uh, but some good chances for building there, John. Yeah, lots of, there's going to be going to be two two tough games: Stirling County twos uh, and Kilmarnock, um, and in our plane. So it's yeah. But second team rugby is about the social. Second, you know, Gogsy said about last week the development in his, his second team is is what's required uh, for those boys to be able to step up into the ones. So this is an opportunity again. Same things as we talked about for for Moffat. Rather as being results driven, let's look at our processes. You know, do we have players that are playing at the same game plan and the same spec as what we would expect from our first team? That's that's where we've got to try and get to with second team rugby so that those guys can then progress into senior rugby if that's where they want to go and if they want to stay on the social, they can they can enjoy the rugby, hit their performance indicators as as Gav said for the weekend. Makes the beer taste better, and then and then they can go on, win win or lose. Um, but yeah, it's also as you say an opportunity for anybody who has maybe thought about getting themselves back into rugby. There's two home games there, yeah, Annan and Dumfries, so no excuses. Give the guys a phone and and get in touch. I'm sure they'll be grateful for players. Eight fixtures to look forward to this weekend. Best of luck to everyone. The only other thing left, John, is any other rugby business. We've not had any in a while, unless it's been Doddy Aid. But I think you've got something for us this week. Yeah, so there's been a couple of performance things. You know, we we've been pretty critical of the the academy sessions, but the 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 way that they're working just now, we've got a couple of boys in our region um, that are representing Glasgow in the West. So Glasgow in the West under 18s, uh, Dumfries' Lewis Ferguson. He 
they played against Edinburgh um, and lost narrowly 36-28 up at the Orium at the, at the weekend there. And also um, at the under-17 Glasgow, there was also Matthew Hind and Alex Bryden who played against the Borders in Edinburgh Lothian. Uh, Edinburgh Lothian, sorry. And they won their game 30 points to 15. So good job for them guys representing the region. Um, they're all currently playing their under-18 rugby out of uh, Dumfries. Well, obviously, Lewis and Alex are Dumfries boys, and Matthew Hines being an ex-Stewartry boy who's now playing his trade at Dumfries. So well done to those guys. And we also had the Girls PDH Performance Development Hubs on uh, Sunday there. So there was a good representation across all the clubs. Uh, Moffat had sent some girls on and sent some girls to your train, Newton Shire. We'd all sent girls up to those camps. And uh, Dav Thompson, who obviously we've had on the podcast before, uh, was also up there representing as a, as a coach. So there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of stuff starting to happen um, up the road for, for those guys. So that was our original trial day just to see they're going to pick a squad from there and then they're going to have a squad to work with um, that will represent Glasgow South uh, in a couple of little series of games. So well done to anybody who was representing D&G. Apparently you, you did yourself proud from the, the reports I've certainly gotten. Everyone was, was fairly impressed and we will, this is an exclusive, we will definitely have girls representing in those PDHs. They didn't give me names, but they said it was definitely girls that were going to go forward. So good job for those girls. Gav, round us off then, mate. What does the next wee while hold in store for you until we can see you again, until we can chat to you again, hopefully until I can meet you in person for, for the first time, not just yeah. in a box like I seem to be meeting everyone every week. What's coming up next few weeks? Probably our, our focus. Um, you know, we have we have Castor this weekend, Kirkcaldy at home and then Hamilton. Um, and these three, you know, every game is important, but these three games are important for us. Um, you know, we're playing teams round about us. Um, you know, we want to win. You know, we want to win games. We want to get. We want to get points. Um, as I say, we're not looking behind us. We're looking forward. You know, we're looking up. Um, and, you know, clone teams back. Um, so yeah, these these next three weeks are are, are important for us. Um. You know, so we won't do anything different. We'll continue to work on the things that we've worked on uh, since pre-season. Courage, keep encouraging the players to work hard and be diligent. And you know, we, are, you know, our focus is to finish up the the table as high as possible. So it's three big weeks for us, um, which we're which we're really looking forward to. You know, the boys are really enjoying their rugby at the moment. So hopefully, come you know, mid to end of February, we are we're sitting where we deserve to be, but. Sometimes there's a difference between deserving something and getting it. Sometimes, you know, it's all right deserving it, but sometimes you don't always get it. So we just have to go and get it and make sure that, uh, you know, our kind of destiny is in our own hands. Gav, thank you very much for, for coming on the pod this week. Some amazing no problem, rugby insights, not only rugby, great stuff about mental health, everything. It's It's been a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I have. I have, definitely. And uh, have best... That. Best of luck for the rest of the season and best of luck for Cartha this weekend. Thank you. All the best, Gav. Cheers, John. Thanks very much. 